eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Well, we learned Brett Bioma is not a miracle worker. Doesn't work miracles overnight as Illinois... Yeah, all those experts were right. The odds makers were right. UTSA was a dangerous team, and Illinois made one too many mistakes themselves, and UTSA made one too many plays themselves. As UTSA leaves Champaign with the biggest win in their program's history, winning at a Big Ten school in just their, what, 11th season? Uh, they beat Baylor at home uh, a couple years ago, but that was when Baylor was at its absolute uh, worst after the Art Bryles thing and Matt Rules in his first year. Uh, Illinois coming off a win over Nebraska, loses to UTSA. Let's chat about it. Joey Wagner's here with me, Jeremy Warner, atop Memorial Stadium. And just like so many coaches before him, Joey, um, Brett Bielma loses at home to a group of five team. Um, and it's it just kind of proof that, hey, there's a lot more work to be done for Illinois and, and one win over a weakened, vulnerable Nebraska team. Though I think that's still a good win for this Illinois program. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to win the next week, and Illinois learned that today. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody going into this game kind of watched like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but right after the Nebraska game, the, the Nebraska really gave that, yeah, but type of angle. And there's still a lot of work to do, man. And this, this, this doesn't change. And the big thing Brett Bielma has hammered over and over in the media to his players since he got here is before you can win, you got to not lose, right? And you've got to not have penalties. And you've got to not have mental errors. And you've got to not have turnovers. And if you zoom out a little bit, man, this game had every one of them. And this is a, it resulted in a 37-30 loss at Memorial Stadium. You know, they gave themselves a little bit of a chance at the end, but it, it just everything that they really did wrong for long, kind of long stretches over the course of the game, really they just couldn't get past it. And this is why I, you know, I don't know every fan out there after the Nebraska win wants the huge takeaway to be this team's going to go bowling, this is going to be the surprise team in the Big Ten West. And in my column, I said, you know, this sets up a good opportunity for Illinois to potentially start 2-0, get a third of the way to the bowl game, uh, or 3-0 and or something like that, and, and maybe put something together. But you knew that UTSA was at its best point in program history, kind of like South Florida and Louisiana Tech, uh, teams that came here before. Um, but you also knew, dude, college football, and with this team and the margin for error being so small because they aren't – overly more talented than some of these programs are going to be playing in coming weeks, whether it's Virginia, whether it's uh, Rutgers, Maryland, Purdue, Charlotte, just got to win at Duke, right? 
there's such a low margin for error that, as you said, Joey, they can't make those kind of mistakes. They can't afford those things. And whether it's, I thought, the play of the game where Illinois was really starting to feel good, they force a punt with about two minutes left in the second quarter, and the punt takes a fortuitous bounce for UTSA. Kirby Joseph didn't get out of the way. That's partly on him. That's partly on Donnie Navarro not telling him to get away from it. Um, but those are the kind of you know, minuscule plays that turn into huge deals, and it completely shifted the momentum. Illinois had a chance to double dip, maybe tie the game or take the lead before the half, uh, and then they just came out of the first, uh, second half and just weren't able to score. The offense just wasn't able to move the ball, and, and those little plays completely changed games. Um, the last touchdown UTSA had, I mean, if they would have stopped them there or just forced them to a field goal, Think of how that changes Illinois' uh, the rest of the, the quarter there. So little plays like that, Illinois just can't afford. They're still not good enough. And you can talk about schemes. We'll get into the coaching here in a little bit. Um, but Illinois did not you know, flip a switch overnight just because Brett Bielema became head coach. They still got flaws. Nebraska didn't show enough of them. UTSA showed them today. Look, and I'll also say I'm not trying to make excuses. The, the Kirby Joseph play. Dude, some of that's just really bad luck, yeah. right? Football's bouncing the stupid way sometimes. That was one of those. Now, I mean, everything you mentioned holds true. But And I'm trying to go back here, Jeremy, to find the quote from last week. But uh, effectively, and I don't want to misquote Brad, but, but it was along the lines of, you know, we're not – kind of indicated to me there, there are slim margins, right? Yeah. And you're going to have to work really hard for everything that you want. This isn't – this isn't Ohio State's roster. And this isn't what Brett said, but as you step back, you look at this. This isn't an overly, you know, the most talented roster that's going to be on the field every night. And, in fact, it's, it's probably going to be out-talented, you know, half of this season, right? I mean, more than half. More than big half. Ten, let's be honest. Now, yeah. the, the margin is, is thinner, and I think that's a point we've seen kind of as this goes on. But you just can't have those little things, man, and, and it just really – I'm a little surprised, I guess, to be honest, because we didn't see them. Like, I figured if you were going to see some of the mental miscues, the the penalties, the turnover, like, all right, week one or week zero, right? Like, let's let's see them early and and get out of the way. And and look, UTSA invited Illinois to win this football game. <laughs> I mean, they did everything in their power. They kicked it out of bounds every time they got the chance to do it on kickoffs. It, they were really, really conservative at certain points <laughs> of the game. Like late in that game, I thought Jeff Trailer, get your quarterback out on, on a boot. Uh, Illinois hasn't been able to stop him or get Zakari Frank on the ball. I know you would have thrown it. I understand why they didn't throw it, but I just thought get your quarterback out on the boot. They just ran three up the middle. Illinois stopped him, and Illinois had a chance to win the game. So, yeah, I thought they had some opportunities, and they just didn't make the most of them. I, one of the biggest things for me, and I wrote it in my quick hits, is Illinois had the chance to take the lead four consecutive drives in the second half, they got three points, or they got six points out of it. All field goals, right? They were given the ball. Frank Harris fumbles the ball within the 35-yard line, and Illinois lost yards because Art Sikowski dropped uh, a snap. Those are the things you can't afford. Like, how many, I think we had two exchange problems for Illinois on one drive that really hurt them in the third quarter. Those are the things you can't have. That, that's fundamental things. Those are uh, things that this program just can't afford. So does that mean this is going to happen next week? I can see them going on the road and beating Virginia. right? I can see them you know, winning the next three games. I mean, they can win all these games, but if they make these kind of mistakes, they're going to have a tough season if they continue to make them. But I don't think that's a given. Uh, UTSA took advantage of those things. Illinois did not take advantage of the UTSA things. I guess my overall point is I think we're going to see a lot of that 
this year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you look at this schedule. We talked about it. How many games do you look at and say, yep, that's definitely a loss for Illinois? I, I'd say three of them I would not feel good about at all. Penn State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. The All the other nine games off the top of my head, I think are going to be pretty close games for this Illinois team, which means they just don't have margin for error. And, and tonight they you know, lived on the edge and, and fell off. And I think, you know, you can't have many of those because there's not, you know, with three games that you don't feel great about being able to compete or, or win, that means you don't have many chances for wins and they missed an opportunity. Tonight. I want to zoom out a little bit and just kind of, this was our first press conference with Brett as a losing coach. And I think we learned a little bit about him and really, I mean, he's talked a lot. This is goes goes beyond tonight, but these teaching moments, right? And and everything that he said, all those the penalties and mental things that we're kind of like you don't even hear anymore because you've heard them like a hundred times since December. Like now, all of that's kind of on the table, right? And now he talks about these teaching moments. So okay, what's the what's the retention rate here, right? I mean, how much can you learn? And and I'll say I. Brett didn't really sugarcoat anything, right? I mean, there was a lot of this hurts. This, you know, we don't want to be here. This isn't where we want to be, and it's just not. I'm not trying to take a dig at Lovey. Everybody approaches post game press conferences differently, but that's not something we had heard in, in the past. So I'm wondering, just to, and we didn't get a chance to ask tonight, but I'm just kind of wondering how that tone of, you know, what, what's that in the Smith yeah. Center, right? Like, what's the hey, this this hurts, like it's. It's, I guess it's okay to say it hurts. Yeah. It's okay to be mad and frustrated and, and to put that out there. And, and look, I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to approach it, but I, we, we're still learning, Brett Bielema. We're still learning a little bit about how this goes. And it's, it's just <laughs> zoom, out, yeah. zoom back in a little bit, man. That's, it's just a tough loss. It's a good UTSA team. I get it. But you're a Power 5 team. You paid this place. You paid, paid the school to come in here. $1.1 million. You, you didn't pay that to lose a football game, <laughs> right? And – yeah, I, I thought this was a huge opportunity to stack momentum. Right? Yes. I mean, we, we talked so much about momentum in the last podcast. I thought, like, okay, 2-0, and oh, you, you get a little fiery going into Virginia. And, and my mind got a little bit ahead of myself. I thought, man, that, that Michigan, or Maryland game could really, could really be something. Uh, you just – the atmosphere, the whole, you know, operations of it. And it's just, it's just hit to yeah. the momentum. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a big takeaway. I want to get into some of the, obviously, the more microscopic things about this game. But, yeah, I think that's the missed opportunity here, and I think that's what Brett Bielema has to be so disappointed in. Like, obviously, he's going to talk about things that they need to improve on the field. But if you if, if we're going to talk macro, and I know every Illinois fan is thinking that, you miss an opportunity to potentially be 2-0, and be one of the talks, one of the actual positives of the Big Ten West outside of Iowa so far, um, because the Big Ten West looks really – poor so far i mean i think yeah i think wisconsin is going to be just fine um but they have a chance to really make up some ground and you know you have some more recruits in here today and, and to lose in front of utsa man that's not going to sway recruitment but man it takes some wind out of the sails and takes some wind out of the sails of your program and brett knows that hey if we were been three and oh we would have people talking about us and saying, hey, look at what's happening in illinois now it's more like yep that's illinois like that's a tough job i think that brett knew that and he knew that something like this could happen before it to actually happen. Certainly takes some wind out of the sails. All right, we come back. Let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about what did go wrong for this team, what was the biggest disappointments, and a few positives from this game as well. We'll do that next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, I don't know if we're going to have a quarterback controversy. Brandon Peters dressed before the game. Uh, he did not dress for the game, so they did a little uh, juke out there. Also, two little surprises. Uh, Monday, Brett Bielema said Chase Brown would be fully accessible, I think was the quote. Um, but he did not dress for this game. Chase Hayden did not dress for this game and was in a walking boot. Uh, so they were thin at running back. Mike Epstein left the game late, uh, I guess, as well. So, and I didn't even see that. Reggie Love uh, and Jakari Norwood and Josh McCray got a lot of playing time there. And, and the running game did struggle. But let's go back to Art Sikowski. 22 of 42, 266 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I think that line looks better than his game actually was. I think the fourth quarter got a lot of stats going there. But how would you judge Arthur Sikowski's game? Yeah, I, I just didn't think he was very consistent, right? I, I thought there was a couple throws. I thought he tried to force in some windows. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't think play calling at times helped him out um, a lot. There was a, a random stretch of three straight passes in the third quarter maybe that – didn't really make a lot of sense. I thought he missed some throws. I, I think the offensive line helped him out very much, to be honest with you. But it, I thought the offensive line was a story maybe of the offensive game. I thought, I thought they got beat. I thought they were beat by UTSA, Conference USA, and defensive line, I think, is a really good Conference USA defensive line with some former Power 5 guys on there. But um, I thought Illinois' offensive line got beat. Tonight. You know, 146 yards, 4.2 per carry, but it wasn't very good, and there was pressure on Sikowski. And look, guys. Brandon Peters won this job out of camp for a reason. And I understand there was a lot of hype last week, and I thought Art played his butt off last yeah. week. But I don't think they got Art, and I'm just guessing here, but I don't think they got Art to start him this year. All right, you have Brandon. Uh, I they think had him for moments like tonight, like in case Brandon got Art. And backup, I mean, hey, I, you know, for a backup quarterback, I still think you have to kind of put it in context, like, all right, but he wasn't a backup tonight. And I thought that came back in – and her, I just think he, I, I thought some of the warts that we had seen out of him kind of showed a little bit, and there's still some work to do, right? I mean, I, I don't think that's a surprise. There were some stretches where he looked really good, like late in the game uh, until they got in the red zone. Yeah, I thought he looked pretty good, but there were also stretches where uh, he wasn't very accurate whatsoever, and there were a couple throws. He was really fortunate not to have, what, two or three picks. 
uh, in this game. So, yeah, I thought I thought Art had some good and some bad. I didn't think he was particularly great. We'll C minus something like that kind of great for him. Um, I do think it took a while for Tony Peterson to get the ball in the hands of some of his playmakers. Now, they ended up with great games. Um, Isaiah Williams ended up with eight catches and 101 yards. He was targeted 18 times tonight. And Daniel Barker, welcome to the season. Five catches, 74 yards, two touchdowns. Absolutely dominant on a, a second-half scoring drive. I thought it took so long for them to attack the edges where they were really coming hard on the run on the edge, and they really stopped Illinois' run game for the most part. I think it took them too long to get to Daniel Barker. Luke Ford only got one target uh, in this entire game. So I think it took too long for them, those guys to get involved. Illinois was already down, and you know you had so many drives that were ending on third down, and you're just running up the gut or had some outside zone. And, and UTSA was keying on that, and it just felt like Tony Peterson at times was – a little too conservative uh, early. Did have the great call to do span once again, the designated deep threat, and, and our underthrew him a little bit, but what, what a play by, by do span. But I, I thought at times, I'm going to have to go back and, and watch the film, but the offensive line really struggled. I thought Art was really up and down, and I thought Tony at times got a little conservative. And kind of like last week, it took him a while to get to Isaiah Williams. It took a while to get to Isaiah Williams and Daniel Barker. You know, I'll tell you, the, the first quarter I think we all saw just wasn't very good. Um, but in the second quarter, you started to see the defense was starting to get some stops, right? They yeah. finally contained uh, Franklin on, on the outside, who was a total nightmare. We'll get into that in a minute. And I, the offense to do span, and, and then I believe you had Daniel Barker for a touch, and I thought, all right, it took a little bit, but now this ball's starting to roll a little bit. And, and you know, I'll always wonder the same way that I'll always wonder what would have happened if Nebraska wouldn't have been called for the roughing. I'll always wonder what happened if, if Illinois doesn't have a weird bounce on a punt, right? But for as great as that third quarter first drive was a week ago, it just didn't exist tonight in, in the third quarter. And they, they just didn't sustain a lot. There's, there was a couple where you maybe get a first down, and then that was the end of it. And, it. and we just didn't see those sustained, you know, beat you in the trenches. The, you know, I know four yards is a big deal for their running backs. We didn't see a lot of that. And, yeah. and then once it started, the timing was just kind of off. The script, so to say, just felt like it wasn't hitting and – and it just kind of was shaky for just kind of long stretches too, right? It wasn't the whole game. You know, they got hot a little bit, but when it was shaky, it just seemed like it was really hard for them to snap that. Yeah, and you look at the the running backs. They're, they're without two of their top guys, right? The, the Chase brothers, as BMO likes to call them. I know they're – just had the same first name. Uh, Reggie Love, 11 carries, 39 yards. Art Sitkowski. Man, I thought he actually had a play where he had, he could have scrambled for a first down on a third down, and he and he didn't. And I think they had to settle for a field goal. Um, Mike Epstein, nine carries, thirty-two yards. Kari Norwood started, had four carries for twenty-six yards. We saw our first glimpse of Josh McCray, five carries, sixteen yards. I, I didn't think those backs – again, I'll have to go back and look. I didn't think the backs did anything that bothered me. I think they're they're fine. I, I do think Chase Brown has been a, a big loss today. I think they really could have used someone that's a little bit more explosive. And I just don't think Jakari is well-rounded enough as a running back yet for them to, to kind of lean on him because he does have that speed element. Um, I thought Reggie Love had some carries where he really might only gain two yards, but actually was plus six. I just thought the offensive line – uh, didn't perform all that well today up front in, in that run game, and, and maybe Tony Peterson wasn't attacking them uh, quite well enough. But uh, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball, Joey, because I think this is probably the bigger bigger disappointment um, because you were playing a backup quarterback. I think we know some of the 
the options are limited at receiver. But to give up 497 yards to UTSA and then not be able to stop a wide receiver, there were a lot of Lovey Smith era vibes, right? When you are just not able to beat Sakari Franklin. And this is how I saw it. Again, I, I get to watch a replay in the booth here. And it looked like they went man early. And they were getting beat on slants, right, um, and crossers, which is how you attack man. And then Ryan Walters went more to his zone, and they were just getting beat underneath. They got these underneath quick curls, you know, out routes, things like that. And Zachary Franklin was just wide open, wide open, wide open. Then they finally start to press him. And that's when you finally saw Illinois get some stops. Devin Witherspoon was on him, and I thought Devin battled him as well as anybody tonight. But they just didn't have an answer uh, for Zachary Franklin for the entire first half. I guess they sold him in the second half despite that that touchdown. But by that point, uh, Illinois' offense continued to struggle. And then Quan Martin got lost in the lights or something. And Cephas gets that huge gain on just a pop-up to center field. Um, and it just Illinois' defensive backs really, really struggled. And Ryan Walters had an answer for him. It felt like in the middle of the game, but uh, too much damage was done by that point. And, and then to that last drive, um, just to, to get beat on a run for a 33-yard touchdown. We were actually on our way down uh, in the uh, elevator, so we didn't get to see it. But that, that's a backbreaker because we got out of the elevator thinking, oh, well, we might have a chance to turn this around, you know, win the game. And to have that touchdown just felt like an absolute backbreaker. Yeah, and the Franklin touchdown, I really thought they did a nice job on him in the second half. The touchdown he had, I'm still – I mean, I need to go back and rewatch it, but I don't really know how that was a touchdown, right? I mean, it was a, it was just a blown play on the outside. It was a screen that really looked like it was stopped, and but the first half damage was – it was brutal. I, I mean, it was it was free money, right? It was look to him and cook, and that's what they did. And I, I thought Devin Witherspoon did a nice job. I thought he had, you know, the – unfortunate bearer of a couple questionable defensive pass interference penalties but I'll tell you what Jeremy the, the big thing to me and I know the secondary struggled and it, it really did at times and, and you know to be honest we did see a little bit some shades of that a week ago um, but they, they were able to overcome it Keith Randolph that, that hurts man they, they really up front he went down with an injury and that felt like it changed the tenor of what UTSA was able to do Keith is a really really good football player and to not have him up the middle, that that hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Jamal Woods had to come in. He's not as great of a run stuffer, obviously, as Keith, who's just gotten to be massive. Um, and, uh, you know, Calvin Avery had to play a lot more snaps Virtus. today. Virtus Brown had to play a lot and obviously doesn't have any experience really defensive tackle besides I don't even think he played last week, right? So, um, yeah, th- those are depth concerns that are going to happen moving forward into a season, but that's why depth – uh, is is so so important. So I'm really interested to talk with Tony Peterson and Ryan Walters, especially after we get to watch the game again, just to see where they think they went wrong because there were some shades, especially defensively, of what this group had struggled with. And this is why this game and in the passing attack is one of the reasons I was skeptical of this team is because one, I didn't trust their passing offense, right? And I think at times we saw that tonight, but I really didn't you know, think their passing defense was going to take a huge leap just because of scheme. I thought there were some personnel issues back there. Uh, and today, Zachary Franklin, I think he's a pro. I, I think he can be an NFL draft pick. But I don't want to build him up into some, like, second or third-round pick because, yeah, well, this ain't David Bell, yeah. right? Like, we're, you're going to see more guys like this, and they have to be able uh, to compete. And, and today, they just didn't have answers for the most part. And, and to me, the uh, – the backbreaking thing is how much they were able to run the ball 
down the stretch. You know, I thought they played the run really well through most of the first quarter and really the first three quarters. But since Sue McCormick finally got cooking late and then to have Brady break off that big touchdown run, that was that was tough because that's where you feel like I think Illinois' front seven can be really good. Even without C.J. Hart, I thought Tariq Barnes was fine today. I think he's capable filling for him. That's where it's – yeah, that – those are the things that, that would bother me the most is those errors, and then you got beat in the trenches, it felt like today. And you didn't get beat in the trenches a week ago. So now I'm trying to figure out what is this team in the trenches a little bit. And you try not to live week by week, right? And you try to you know, be a little more like understanding of what's going on here. But it just doesn't look like what we saw a week ago, man. It just doesn't. And, and this is a team I don't think UTSA is more talented than Nebraska, right? I mean, it's just objectively not true. So I, I just I'm exactly with you. It, it just felt like they fell forward for you know every yard they got. I mean, my goodness, I think runs what they average running the ball um, in the second half. It was a lot better than it was in the first half because McCormick was really kept uh, in check. And the other part we got to mention, I think, it was the biggest part of the game: um, the third down conversions for UTSA. I th- Illinois first and second down in the first half, especially, did so well, but. UTSA rattled off five straight third-down conversions on their first two scoring drives combined in the first quarter, and that's the like that felt like the game right there. You just got to get off the field, and then Illinois' offense wasn't able to stay on the field. Uh, now Illinois ended up eight for eighteen on third-down conversions. Most of that was in the fourth quarter as they're trying to make this comeback. But that's that's the story of the game because it felt like Illinois did have some good moments on defense, and then. Oh, a conversion to Zachary Franklin, and uh, those are backbreakers. Time is a flat circle, man. How many times have we seen that script, right? You can't get off the field on third down. The offense can't get you just a little bit of time to, to regroup on the sidelines. But it was huge. I mean, the, the, there was three straight third down conversions on the 94-yard drive. I mean, you get your, your team MVP here, pins them inside the five-yard line, and you think – all right, you know, offense go over there, regroup. Defense will, you know, will get you back out there, and no way they're going to go 94 yards. And three straight third downs, boom, 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 94 yards. And it was a long drive. It wasn't like they hit a couple, you know, big hitters that got them down there. They sustained the heck out of that drive. That was that was kind of a concerning drive for Illinois because that – I don't care who the opponent is, right? Like you had 94-yard sustain. I think it was 12 plays, if I'm not mistaken. Dude, that is – that's where things are going a little bit off the rails if you're allowing that to happen. So this, I'm really with you. I'm curious with 13 play drive. So I, I am really curious to talk to Ryan Walters just about some of that because I was encouraged as heck with what I saw in the defense last week. And then you look at this and it's, they were just, you know, they did contain it a little bit there in the second quarter, early third quarter, the, the defense kind of rallied the troops and the offense. It's just every complimentary football piece we talked about last week just vanished into thin air tonight. During the first three drives, I keep going back to this. There are so many moments in the game, but I think the game really turned um, after that punt that hit Kirby Joseph, and then UTSA gets a field goal after that. Um, then you have – four drives with a chance to take the lead and you only get six points out of it but the first three drives you had 15 yards on 13 plays and one of those you got the ball within the 35 yard line of UTSA that that was the difference and to fumble a snap and to have some exchange issues like that to me was the biggest missed opportunities I feel if you just take the lead 
wish you never did this game. I think the crowd gets into it. I think that you get more confidence. UTSA feels like they're on the ropes. UTSA never felt like they were on the ropes, and then they always answer. Every time Illinois kicked a field goal or scored a touchdown, they found a way to answer. So, yes, you said complimentary football last week. They did not have that at all. Neither side really picked each other up uh, when the other side needed it. And, hey, look, I mean, UTSA kind of gifted Illinois four points a few times, set on for field goals, right? And then you thought, oh, my goodness, all the ways that this thing has turned, there is still – a chance for the offense to get this thing back on the tracks and move it. So, you know, I feel like we just hammered the defense and there were some things that are concerning. But, I mean, that's what you got to do, man. You got to pick the other side up a little yeah. bit. And we just, time over, didn't see it. And at the end, Casey Washington was a foot away from potentially yeah, tying the With game. a backup quarterback, you're missing <laughs> key pieces. Isaiah Williams looked fantastic at the end of the game. I mean, he... I mean, let's put this into perspective for just a, a few positives before we get out of here. Isaiah Williams is a dude. I mean, I know it's UTSA, but in his first two games, he's got 150 total yards, right? Like eight catches for 101 yards. Art Sikowski, that's the guy he trusted. I think that says a lot about the Illinois wide receiver room without Brian Hightower and Jafar Armstrong right now. But that's the guy he was going to. And he made a couple really contested catches. Late in that game, uh, there was one time that he got mauled and, and wasn't called for a flag. He's really good. Daniel Barker's really good. Like Luke Ford need to be involved a little bit more today. But him and if you get 80 yards combined from Barker and Ford like he did tonight, like you're going to take that or 30 yards and a touchdown last week with good blocking. Um, but Isaiah Williams is really good. I think your bold prediction of him leading the team and receiving uh, is certainly going to work out. So that is certainly a positive. And the other thing is the lads. Um, Illinois might have two NFL specialists. On the team, I didn't. James McCourt. Let's be honest. A couple of years ago, was he going to be part of this team? Like you thought he might be a guy who transfers out because they got Caleb Griffin coming in after Chase McLaughlin, and James McCourt at one point didn't look like he was going to put it all together. And today hits all three field goals, two of fifty plus yards. He now has the record over McLaughlin for career fifty plus yarders at six. That fifty-two yarder into the wind would have gone sixty-two yards, and then for Blake Hayes. Uh, to have the game he did was pretty amazing. Yeah, and look, don't sleep on Ethan Tabell. You said <laughs> two specialists. There's three, right? He's really good, man. He he makes it look easy. But, yeah, I, everything you said about Isaiah is, I mean, it's right on. I mean, this is this is a playmaker that Illinois needs. And you saw Tony Peterson start to cook a little bit more with him, especially on that last drive. Get it to one and let him dance, right? I mean, he, he's going to – He's going to do some things. The lads were impressive. I'll, I'll tell you, it's early, and I don't know how much they're going to need him. But I, I thought Josh McCray looked okay in, in his carries. Hit some I, tough runs, yeah. I mean, you can see why Brett Bielma wants guys like that, Jordan Anderson, Caden Fagan, if they're able to get him. Like, you can see why he wants guys like that on his team in the Big Ten. Yeah, and, and you know, look. Where this running back room is, well, right now we don't know a lot about it, right? I mean, you don't know what's up with the two chases. You don't know what's up with Epstein. Uh, maybe we'll get to Monday and they'll all be fully accessible until they're not. We don't know. But I thought McCray showed some things, and maybe they won't go to him. Maybe Jakari Norwood will continue. I, I, don't, I just wonder the feasibility sometimes of, of such a – you know, make sure you workshop all these yeah. guys in a little bit because sometimes, especially when Chase Brown comes back, 
sometimes you just got to let your guy go, right? Yeah, and you got to let a guy get some momentum going, right? Like tonight, felt like towards the end they were going towards Reggie Love. Um, obviously, they had to pass so much by the end of the game. But, yeah, how many backs do you want to rotate? They've rotated four. Um, Tony Peterson, I think, has mostly said three. And I think three is doable. Um, but four, is that, that a little bit too much? Um, that, that's, that's a good question. But, uh, yeah, Chase Brown's really good. So when he comes back or Mike Epstein's fully healthy, Epstein couldn't get going today. I just I don't know if it was an Epstein problem. I, that, all these running backs were basically under four yards per carry tonight. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to wrap up here in a second. I do want to contextualize a little bit of this, and not to make excuses, but let, let, I do think it's important to zoom out and understand you're without your starting quarterback. You're without two of your top four running backs. You're without two of your top six wide receivers. You are without, I would argue, one of your five best defensive players for the better part of the game and Keith Randolph, and you lost, and that's that's not coming back. Like, that's, that's going to happen. That's a loss that's going to stay with them. But if you do zoom out a little bit, it's like, okay, we'll see what happens, but you still can't lose at home to UTSA. And I, I know it sounds like I'm making an excuse, but I was about to say, I, I, but I do, that, I think it's important to zoom out and say, okay, these, these are also <laughs> things that happened in this game. And I don't think you should have lost regardless, right. but it, I think we just have to mention at least at the very least mention that those guys were out and maybe it doesn't change the outcome. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think it's just worth at least putting out into the world. It's also why depth is so important. And we talk about it every year. Like I can think Illinois' first string is as good as Purdue's or, or somebody else, but is the depth as good? And that's what makes some of these other programs, whether it's Wisconsin or Iowa, so amazing year after year after year. You know, because Ohio State's on a different you know wavelength, right? But like even like a Michigan, I know they don't love Harbaugh up there, but you know most years that guy's winning eight to ten games because he's got a lot of talent and he's got a lot of depth of talent. Illinois certainly needs to improve that. But it doesn't excuse a loss to UTSA. Like, I, I know this is their best team. That's a good team. Maybe they win Conference USA, but you're Illinois. And fans listening to this, if they've gone this far, <laughs> are sick of this. Yeah. Right? And I totally understand it. But, again, like, what if they come out next week and beat Virginia? I, I just, I, you know, I'm not reacting to social media example. I don't watch it that much during games. I don't go on our boards much during the games. I can see a lot of Illini fans, given the history of what has happened with this program, bailing quick on this team. And I think it's way too early to do that because I think you're going to have a lot of games that are close, that are decided by one possession. That's how two games decided by one possession already. I think that's going to happen a lot this year. And it's why my season predictions, which I had them at five and seven, I had so many games decided by single digits. I think that's going to happen all year. So like, if you're going to you know, jump on board one win, you know, sell it off the next week, like, I think you're going to be jumping back and forth all year because I think there's going to be a lot of this, especially for a team like Illinois this season. Yeah, and that's exactly, if you go back a week ago to what we said in this very spot, it's exactly why that win was so big because people are very – understandably, given where this program has been, very prone to saying, see ya, call me when basketball starts. I get all of that. But I I agree with you. Like, This is going to be a very roller coaster year, and and this loss is a bad loss. It it just is. And we can say everything we want about UTSA. It is just a bad loss. But it's not with you. Like, Is it uh, not feasible that they would come out and win – 
the next two games? No, it's very possible. It's very possible. There's three games that are probably just not happening. Mm-hmm. So it's buckle in, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just there's going to be a lot of it, and we'll see if things can stabilize. But it's just there's going to be a lot of hearts beating fast in fourth yeah. quarters and a lot of heartache and a lot of holy crap, is this thing turning around after games? It's, it's just going to be part <laughs> of this year. Well, Brett Bielma was not going to turn the program around in a year. And if, if you thought, like, after Nebraska, you know, everything's good, everything's changed, yeah, we were probably hoping a little bit too much with that. Like, there was going to be a loss like this at some point this season. You just don't want a lot of them because there's not very many opportunities. So we'll see where they take this one. How do they bounce back? How are they fueled by this? I think the players were saying the right things after the games and not saying too much. They weren't being too emotional uh, after this game. And Blake Hayes, the ever-positive Aussie, <laughs> was was saying, hey, we can we can take the – the low road, basically, and, and get down in the dumps, but we're going to learn from this. We're going to get better, all that. And that's what they have to say in that program. But I think they believe it, and that's that's on the coaching staff, right? Like, that's what we got to see. Like, were there things tonight I didn't like from Tony Walter? Sure. Were there things – or Tony uh, Peterson or the things I didn't like from Ryan Walter? Sure. But, like, they got to they gotta find those things and, and correct them for the next week. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think they buy into every word Brett says, right? And, and it's because what Brett says tends to – in one way or another, the good and the bad manifest itself. It it obviously was a good a week ago. The bad was, I said at the beginning of this, turnovers, mental errors, penalties. And that, everything he said, like, hey, this is going to happen, it happened. So they, they, I do think they buy into every word he says. And that's a good, I guess, a starting point when you start to try to turn the ship around a little bit. So uh, next week, if they're 2-1, and one, you think everybody's jumping on board again? Oh, before our plane lands. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they sure are. Buckle up for a potential roller coaster of a season. I think that's going to be the Big Ten West for a lot of teams this year. Kudos to UTSA. Big win for their program. Illinois has got to find a way to bounce back. Thanks for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.